Hi, everybody. It's Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain Radio. I hope you're doing very well. I have on the line Philip Bagus. Bagus? Did I get that? I got that wrong again, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. No. These European names. I'm a guy with four M's and umlaut and a silent Q, so I'm often getting my name incorrect. So I try to get other people's names right, but sometimes uh, yes and no. Uh, he has completed a, match, a bachelor, a master's degree in economics at the University of Münster, Germany. He has moved to Spain to write his PhD because he likes his vitamin D. Uh, under the supervision of Jesus Huerta de Soto, is that uh, even remotely close? Uh, yes. It's closer, yeah. Close. It's closer than yours. Good. He's earned his PhD in 2007 with a thesis on the theory of deflation. Uh, he is currently an assistant professor at the University at Rio Juan de Carlos in Madrid. Uh, he teaches Introduction to Macroeconomics uh, at the Mostoles campus and the methodology of the Austrian School in Economic Analysis of the European Union in Varo. So thank you so much for uh, appreci- uh, sitting uh, in, the, in on this conversation and for standing uh, with my mangled European pronunciations. I appreciate your patience. Um, I was really, really struck by your article uh, uh, on Mises, uh, which uh, Mises.com, which is a fantastic economics resource for those who are unaware of it, where you talked about some of the technical and historical aspects of the, the Greek crisis. And I was particularly struck by your analysis that says the question is not whether the bailout is going to occur, but the fact that the bailout is already occurring uh, through a number of reputation and uh, bond-based means, and it may be expanded, but to say that it's a question of yes or no is is incorrect. Is that a fair statement of your position? Yes, the question is more, will they continue to bail out Greece or not? Right, because they, I mean, I'll just sum it up very briefly and then please go into all the details since you are, of course, the expert. But uh, it seems to me that there are two major ways that Greece is being subsidized by the EU. The first is, of course, when it joined the EU, it hid a lot of its debt through these currency investments or exchanges, which apparently are off book. And so it hid its debt to get into the EU, and then it coasts on its reputation as part of the EU. In other words, it inherits the higher credit ratings of more stable countries and less profligate governments. And furthermore, the uh, European Central Bank is is buying up Greek bonds at an artificially low interest rate, uh, which is also subsidizing them because otherwise they would be paying more interest and would have to have done these austerity measures sooner in in a less extreme way. Is that fair? Yes, when when Greece entered the European Union, they started to pay lower interest rates, almost as low as uh, Germany, because there was uh, the thought that they would be the euro would never end and they would always be helped by the stronger nations. Um, so from then on, they started to pay lower interest rates, but they didn't change their spending behavior. So it's like a a guy who always spends more than he has income and suddenly he pays for his debt like a very sober man who saves a lot and uh, has a very different behavior. So this is like a distortion. You you have a thriftless spending behavior and pay interest rates almost like uh, countries which uh, had uh, an, another history of spending like, like Germany. Right. It's sort of like sharing your bank account with a drunken sailor. It's clear that the drunken sailor is going to have an enormously good time. It's just not so clear that you are going to have a good time as he drains your account to varying degrees of rapidity. Exactly. 
And then what, what is what is now happening is basically that the ECB is printing money and giving it to Greece to finance their spend uh, their, their spendings. Now this is not you you can imagine it like this. In practice, it's more complicated because what in practice happens is that uh, the Greek government spends more than it receives in taxes, so it issues uh, Greek bonds. And it uh, these great bonds are bought by European banks because these European banks know that with this these bonds they can go to the ECB and the ECB will give them credits uh, backed by these bonds. And as the ECB accepts these bonds as collateral, it's a very safe safe business. You receive the money from the EU at one percent if, if if you are a bank. And you invest uh, in the Greek bonds. And the Greek bonds are currently floating, uh, at least the threat seems to be that they're floating at around 7%, which seems to me low given the risk of default. But I guess it's, it's low because there's uh, still the possibility of another bailout. But so if you basically can uh, get a loan at 1% and invest in bonds at 7%, uh, it's really a, a kind of brain-dead business outfit and would never occur in the free market. The free market would close those gaps very, very quickly. But it occurs in this uh, statist fiat currency paradigm. Is that a fair, a fair, a fair assessment? Yes, yes. The problem is also that Greek is not the only country who can do that, who can monetize their debt, who can issue bonds and then banks go to the ECB and and the money supply is increased and prices increase in all the European Union. Any country can do that. So there's an incentive to... Uh, to exploit the to exploit the printing price, basically to exploit the ECB, and therefore the the whole euro system is very unstable. Right. Yeah. So they, so they, friend, sorry to interrupt, but so for instance, citizens in Germany are feeling uh, angry at even the possibility that they may be taxed to pay for Greek overspending, when the reality is that that's already occurring through a devaluation of the euro uh, because right. of this subsidization that is only being funded by the printing press. Is that right? That is exactly correct. They, they are not aware of it. And I hope now people can become more aware of it. Yeah, right. inflation is like but, that. It's like a, a gas that you can't smell and you can't taste but will kill you anyway. Uh, taxes are a little bit more like getting clubbed over the head. But this is like one of those slow, deadly gases that you just kind of fall asleep to. And that's what's so dangerous to me in, in, about, about fiat currency. Right, there's less resistance to inflation than to taxes, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm very not one person in a thousand really understands the connection, uh, and uh, and of course the delay of twelve to twenty four months for the inflation to hit means that the causality is very hard for people to see. But they're already being taxed uh, for for Greece and for the I guess the other pigs countries. What's that? Portugal, uh, Portugal, Ireland, uh, Greece, and Spain, uh, where you are, in fact. So we're basically uh, uh, it's it's you who are causing the Spain problem. So uh, so uh, it, it, do you think this is going to uh, go to a full a bailout, or do you think that uh, it's going to be this under-the-table inflation-based bailout? Um, there, that's really hard uh, to 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 say. There are ba basically three possibilities. One is that there's a full bailout um, by yeah, by other other countries. Which, which would mean, of course, in the medium and long run, would have fatal consequences for the incentives for for 
for for the other countries that may have difficulties like Spain and Italy and Ireland and it's more difficult to help Spain than to help Greece because Greece is not so big so this would be a problem another option is that Greece really does what it should do reduce taxes pay back the debt reduce uh, reduce the spending reduce the government sector um, but of course this might get to political difficulties if there are riots in the street and so I don't know to which extent this is this uh, this is possible. I think that, uh, I mean, my opinion is that the governments love to externalize the blame and say, well, we're helpless in the face of, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so the Greek government may implement austerity measures, but only if they can credibly, at least credibly with their population, credibly blame an external source. But I don't think that the Greek population will, will go for that mythology. That's just my opinion. But, hey, we're here to talk about your opinion, so please continue. Uh <laughs> Yeah, the last option is, of course, to um, stop bailing out Greece, uh, that the, to force the ECB not to accept uh, Greek bonds anymore, which might actually happen from itself, or just if the strong nations just say we will never ever have in anything Greece, then the rating of Greek bonds would fall probably right right away to to a degree that the ECB would not accept these bonds anymore. And then, then probably Greece would be forced to to default, and probably then would be also forced to use to leave the monetary union. Right, right, and and so if it were forced to leave the monetary union, it would have to go back to, I guess, to its previous currency. Uh, it would have to go through a currency reevaluation. There would be a pretty rough period of transition, but at least the burden of paying the debt would be lifted. Uh, yeah, it would be paid by uh, inflation, but only by Greek citizens and not by the rest of the unions. Well, sorry, so help me understand that. So, if but if if they default, then they simply will stop paying the debt that they owe, uh, and so they would revert back to their old currency. There would be a period of transition, but they would have more money to spend on their domestic programs and policies because they wouldn't be paying the interest or any of the principal, of course, on the debt that they owe outside the country. Um, true. What, one point is that they they have continually a deficit, and if they default, they will. It's impossible to have a deficit anymore because no one will lend them money anymore. But to, well, and again, sorry, this is rather technical. But uh, what to what degree is the deficit composed of interest payments on the debt? I know it's a tough question. I'm not, because I'm not sure. Because if, if they did default and didn't pay the interest on the debt, they may have enough money to cover their operating expenses. I mean, this is theoretical and it may or may not happen, but uh, it would be a way for them to at least eliminate the interest payments. Like if you start paying interest payments on all of your debts just in a household, you may have enough to cover your household expenses. That's sort of the point of bankruptcy, which is you're, you're out of the, uh, the interest hole uh, black hole, uh, the interest rate black hole. But um, uh, anyway, that, that sort of remains to be seen. But do you think this would be a severe blow against the euro, or do you think the euro would recover if Greece was uh, kicked out? Oh, that would be great for the euro, of course, if Greece would... If, or if any weak member leaving the... If only Germany uh, is in the, in the euro, then the euro will be much stronger than it's now. Right. 
Right. Well, it, it could be said, I mean, it could be said that um, default might be very good for the citizens of Greece in the long run, because it seems to me it's hard, except for those who directly are, are benefiting from the government money, and of course that is a huge proportion of most of the European population, but particularly in Greece. If the government is no longer able to borrow as a result of a default, help me understand the downside for the average citizen. I mean, again, other than those who are directly receiving money from the state, isn't it sort of a good thing if your government isn't allowed to borrow anymore because it does sort of force them to try to live within their means? Yeah, it's a marvelous thing. I totally agree with you. It's very good. One one thing that you we have to take in mind is that Greece uh, is not competitive because the wage rates are too high. Greece entered into the uh, European Monetary Union with a too high high, um, exchange rate. And wages are not allowed to adapt downwards now because of strong uh, labor unions. So if Greece would go back to their old currency, there would probably be a a devaluation of the new Greek currency and therefore they would uh, regain their competitiveness. But this would be also bad for the normal Greek citizen because uh, import prices would rise. So they would be they would pay in the end with inflation for the for the default and the competitiveness. Right. Okay. Let me just you said quite a mouthful there, and I certainly do think I have the smartest listenership on the planet. But I just want to make sure that people followed that. So so if the uh, if if is it the dra- the drachma that that Greece was on? I'm trying to remember the name of the Greek currency. I, I think so. I think so yeah. Okay, so let's say they go back to that currency. There will be a devaluation relative to the euro because it simply won't have uh, as much credibility, as much history, and I don't think that Greece has a lot of gold reserves left to even give the appearance of backing up a domestically produced fiat currency. So it would it would lower in value relative to the euro, which means that the wages, the real wages of the Greek workers, would go down even if their sort of nominal wage rates or the paper wage rates remained the same, which would be a way of, of lowering the price of Greek labor relative to the rest of Europe, which would make Greeks' exports more competitive. But because the, the Greek currency would be lower in value relative to the euro, the imports would become more expensive, and that would have a, a negative effect on the average Greek citizen's uh, standard of living. Is that a fair summary? Perfect, perfect. Oh, look at that. I'm getting an A. Yoo-hoo! <laughs> now, there is a lot of, um, to me, false moral posturing around these nasty banks and international, uh, the banksters and so on, the Goldman Sachs, who in 2000, when the Greek monetary situation and debt situation was not that much different than it is 10 years later, but they helped to hide billions of dollars in, in Greek debt to help Greek get into the Uh, to help Greece get into the EU. And now, and I can understand why this makes people quite angry, now the um, uh, people are are outraged because the same banks that help Greece hide all the debt are now shorting the euro and shorting, uh, basically betting that Greece is going to fail after helping them to hide all of this debt. Uh, And can you talk a little bit about how that occurred and uh, what the sort of uh, perception of it is in Europe at the moment? Well, before there there was already the incident that Greek falsified their statistics in order to get into, uh, they lied about the statistics in order to get into the euro. 
Now the new thing is uh, that uh, with off-balance sheet swap agreements, they managed to get um, debt from from their official balance sheet with the help of uh, yeah, well, they did they did this with uh, Goldman Sachs, maybe other banks. So of course, who is guilty of this is not is not uh, Goldman Sachs, but, but Greece. No, the, the the person who lies or falsifies the statistics in order to get in into in, into the club. So, what is your opinion about this? Uh, I guess in in Germany, I'm not as I'm not in Germany right now, not living in Germany right now. I I, I read the news, but I and I imagine that. <laughs> People are very angry about this. Right, right. It is strange the degree to which, um, I mean, I don't think we can really call these banks private or free market institutions in any real sense of the word. They are sort of mercantilist, semi-fascistic, in my view, corporatist entities that make most of their money uh, enabling governments to prey upon the current and future generations of their citizenry. However, it seems to me very strange to to blame the um, the Goldman Sachs entity and other banks for this falsification, overspending. And of course, the reason why Greece wanted to get into the EU is because it had this debt problem and it, it really felt that having the collective uh, security, so to speak, of uh, being in this club would help them to continue this particular time frame of, of overspending and uh, increased deficits. So they had a huge incentive to lie. Now, of course, Goldman Sachs reportedly made $300 million out of helping Greece hide its debt. But uh, I still think that you're right. The moral, um, the moral force, I think, really lands squarely upon Greece, which seems to be taking no responsibility. Again, we shouldn't be shocked that governments lie, particularly about economic statistics, and we shouldn't be shocked that governments are taking no responsibility. But it is amazing to see the Greek politicians blaming the taxpayers. Like, oh, the taxpayers are so greedy and they want all this increased spending and they don't want to pay more taxes. And, oh, my heavens, they're in the gray market and the black market and that's just terrible. I mean, this is an entity that bribed its way into power and now is blaming people for accepting that bribe money. Uh, it, it really is amazing. And uh, is, is that showing up at all, that, that people are even remotely focused on on what the Greek government rather than the banks have been doing? In Germany or in Spain? W yeah, well, I guess where you are would be the uh, the best place to ask about. Um, people, um, I, people in Spain are more, in, more focused on their own problems because there's also a huge deficit, a Spanish deficit. And um, Spanish government debt is also rising very fast, and they also try started with the first measures, and there were already the first manifestations. So they are not really, not really focusing on Greece, and because they are not really the people who will be able to bail out Greece, they are not really interested in this. I guess they are more interested in. If, if they get problems, if Germany also will pay them, them out. Right. I, this, this, I don't know if you've read Atlas Shrugged, but this all strikes me like the last 200 pages of Atlas Shrugged in a horrible kind of slow motion. At least with Atlas Shrugged, you can read quickly. This is like a horrible slow motion car wreck, watching sort of the people's states of Europe all claw and grab at each other like a bunch of drowning men with one guy who can float, who's just about to go down. 
as well. Yeah. Is is there any is there any reevaluation of the system as a whole? Because when you see a whole economic system, uh, which really, if you look at sort of the creation of a fiat currency, uh, maybe. 100, 120 years old for a lot of Europe. Is there any fundamental reevaluation of the whole role of the state in, in finance and fiat currencies and this collectivism of the unified Europe? Are people really focusing on the details of the everyday or is there any move towards looking at the big picture? I mean, it seems to me this should be a huge boost to the Austrian school, given how Keynesianism, Keynesianism has been so thoroughly discredited even since the stagflation of the 70s. This should be a huge boost and give people a real chance to reevaluate the fundamental principles that they're using to organize society and the economy. Is that is that happening at all, or are people just sort of looking in the headlights and freezing? Well, Austrian economics is uh, is, is booming, but I think mainly of the financial because of the financial crisis, and now this 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 government. Is, Default problem may may actually add add, add to this. This, this. this is possible. Hmm. Right, right. And you've, uh, I think you've also discussed, or I think you were at the Rothbard conference where this was discussed, that the European Bank as a whole. I mean, people seem to think that there's this magic volcano of money somewhere in the world that just throws all of this money and we just catch it and, and hand it out. Because when they talk about subsidizing uh, Greece or, or any of the other countries that may be facing these kinds of financial problems, I don't think there's any money in the, in the European Central Bank. Is, is that a fair statement? Do they have any reserves with which they can do this? Or is it really going to be a resort to the printing press? Well, the the reserves that the European Central Bank has have deteriorated during during the crisis considerably. They still have a lot of gold, but they they have also they have now also many loans to the banking system to a banking system which is basically insolvent and which are backed by mortgage-backed security, securities. Or by Greek government bonds, so the real backing or the real assets that the ECB has has deteriorated considerably. One funny thing is that the ECB during the crisis crisis reduced the rating they demanded from collateral from bonds they accepted as collateral. And they said that at the end of this year, they will go back to their old higher ratings that they required for collaterals. And if they go back, Greece, <laughs> with their actual rating now, will not uh, Greek bonds will not be accepted anymore. So and now I read today that already banks are saying we 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 won't buy Greek debt anymore. Right. So that's it for I mean. Barring some very strange thing, uh, it would seem to me that that Greece must be heading uh, for for a default. Well, probably, probably. Yeah. If, there, if there's not a get bailout by other governments, uh, this is uh, this is not sustainable. Has there been any move to evaluate the other financial statements that other governments put forward in order to join 
the European Union? I mean, has this fraud on the part of the Greeks raised red flags uh, on any of the other governments' uh, entry applications, so to speak? Hmm. I haven't heard about this, but it's possible. I know that many Germans want the DMARC back. Uh, I don't know how it's, how it's in other countries. Um, many other countries ha had and still have advantages of the euro, like Spain, for example, they pay lower interest rates than they would probably pay if they would have the peseta, Greece, Italy. Uh, they, they, I don't think that in these countries there's a huge movement back to their old currencies, but in Germany, I know that many people and there, um, yeah, there are many people who want back to the DMARC. Right. And uh, for those, I'm sure most of those listening to this know their history and their European history quite well. But uh, it's impossible, I think, to understand Germany's fear of inflation without remembering, of course, what happened at the end of the Weimar Republic and what that led to. Uh, of course, uh, the, the collapse of the, um, the currency during the 1920s and uh, the, the lead into National Socialism. Uh, it's still something that is very vivid in the German consciousness, and that's one of the reasons why they are very concerned about uh, fiat currency, inflation, and the problems of the socialization of international governments. It's a very scary thing. Is there any talk in, in Europe about the 1920s and, and, the, and the 1930s to some degree and where that led? Do people feel like there's any sense of deja vu, or, or is, is it considered completely separate from that historical period? I think it's considered to be separate, but I wanted to add one thing. There were two hyperinflations even in Germany in the last century. That is, one generation basically lost two twice all their savings in the 1920s, and then after the Second World War, um, the the all savings were lost also in, in a hyperinflation after after the Second World War due to the defeat. And um, what I wanted to mention is it's a nice it's nice to see how interventionism causes conflicts bastiat or all the classics would say that free trade causes harmony and peace uh, and interventionism causes conflict and we see now this this conflict arise that germans start to speak bad about greece that they are cheaters greece uh, people start to protest in in front of german shops because uh, they are they have been called cheaters, so there, there there's a huge conflict involved in the socialist monetary system and the European Monetary Union. Yeah, I think that's that's exactly right, and I can't remember who said it. It may have been Bastiat, or it may have been Smith, or some, but or Ricardo, but definitely an early economist said, "Where goods stop crossing borders, soldiers eventually start crossing borders," which of course means yes. that if you have protectionism and interventionism and fiat currency inflation. Uh, what happens is the governments run into more and more debt. Uh, they they have problems paying their citizens, and it's really hard to motivate your citizens by appeals to sound fiscal policy. Uh, citizens get motivated by um, patriotism, which often turns to anger, which often turns to hatred, which uh, in an extremity turns to war, that governments who hyperinflate very often end up declaring war. Now, I'm not saying that's about to happen in Europe. I think that uh, the nuclear powers uh, that, that, that are in, embedded in Europe have made that functionally impossible. But you're quite right. It is a zero-sum game when you come to the redistribution of wealth. Unlike the free market trade, which is a win-win for both sides, it's a zero-sum game. 
In fact, it's a negative sum game because there's always some scraping of the overhead as the money passes from group to group. And so when it's a zero sum game, you end up like two children fighting over one candy bar. Uh, you end up with this increased levels of conflict. And it really is astounding the degree to which these predictions made by uh, Mises as early as the 1920s are really coming true. Uh, and I, I really, really hope that it gives an additional boost uh, over and above what the um, uh, what the monetary crisis or the, the credit crisis is doing. I hope it gives a huge boost to the Austrian school. And uh, I talked to Peter Schiff and he said uh, it should not be called Austrian economics uh, it should just be called economics, uh, and Keynesianism should just be called voodoo. And I hope, I hope that that gives an additional uh, leg to it. Have you noticed that uh, uh, as you talk about the Austrian theory within your colleagues um, and your organizations, is it is it gaining that additional level of respectability now? Yes, yes. There's more. There's more interest in in Austrian business cycle theory. And us, yeah, us, monetary theory, people listen more to us. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, now, is there, again, I want to be sensitive to your time. Is there anything that you would, uh, you would like to add? Any predictions which I, I can completely absolve you of any responsibility for in the future? Is there anything that you would like to, uh, to add or any thoughts that you have uh, as a European who's certainly a lot closer than I am to watching this, uh, this uh, passage go down? Well, I think how, how now it's set up, um, you know, the monetary, we didn't stop, talk about it, but the stability and growth pact was instituted to um, to limit this perverse incentives of using, of anyone, any member country has the incentive to use the European Central Bank to monetize their debt. Uh, and and this, it does not work. It does not work because no one complies not even Germany who pushed for it so without it this construction is not in the long run is not viable so in the long run as the construction is now it will sooner or later it will, will blow up the euro in, so to some form or another yes I mean I think that's quite right and if I understand what you mean by that what you mean is that uh, like most sort of social redistribution welfare schemes, which is fundamentally what the euro is from a monetary standpoint, what happens is the countries that overspend get bailed out and the countries that are responsible get preyed upon. And so basically, because politics is all about bribing special interest groups in exchange for political power, the countries that bribe the best get the most money. And then the countries that bribe the least, in other words, restrain their spending, get that same amount of money and more hoovered out of their economy and spent on other people's citizens, which doesn't give them any political capital. So the incentives are completely reversed, even if we accept the status paradigm, which I don't. But even if we accept that in the European Union, the incentives politically and economically are the entire opposite of what they should be for sound fiscal policy. Exactly, exactly. Well, fantastic. Well, listen, I, I really do appreciate you uh, taking your time. I would like you to, uh, if you could, to give your uh, website out, and I'll put it on the uh, video so that uh, people have a chance to read your writing, which is, uh, I think, very good. Uh, you're very clear and concise uh, and uh, accurate and detailed writer, and I really wanted to compliment you uh, on that. So if you could give out your website, there's some great material on there to, to read. Okay, it's, it's philipbargos.com, but you have to spell it right. 
Please do. Please give the spelling, and I'll I'll type it out too. But give the spelling, please. P. It's P H I L I P T B A G U S dot com. Dot com. Well, thank you. I really, really do appreciate your time, and uh, keep writing what you're writing. I think that uh, when crises occur, paradigms in human thinking can change, but it takes a lot of effort to push this super tanker around. And I really wanted to thank you for the work that you're doing on Mises.org and on your own website in order to help people to understand what is really going on. It's a huge service I think you're doing for the future. I thank you very much. I will do my best. Thank you. Take care. <laughs>